0: And welcome to season one, episode one of what we hope will become many more of the Frontier Nursing University All Access Podcast. I'm Angela Bailey, Chief Advancement Officer, and your host for this new adventure. I'd like to welcome you all to the On Call Lounge here on the Frontier Nursing University campus in beautiful Versailles, Kentucky. Within this inaugural season, we will give you an all-access pass to delve deeper into Frontier Nursing University and the individuals who are making a daily difference in advanced practice nursing, midwifery, education, and healthcare across the country. Now, for our very first episode, I felt that it was only appropriate that we invite Dr. Susan Stone to the lounge to talk about the university, its growth, and how she came to be at the helm of this organization. So without further ado, I'm very pleased to welcome FNU President Dr. Susan Stone. Welcome, Dr. Stone. Oh, thank you, Angie.
1: It's so good to be here, and I'm so excited about this new venture of ours to help to share more about our wonderful university and all the work that we do here. So thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Well, you are very welcome. I am also so excited. You know, it's always such a pleasure to talk about the work our staff and faculty and students and alumni are doing across the country. And I want to get into that maybe a little later, but before we get started, since this is our very first episode, I wondered, would you mind sharing with our listeners a short description of Frontier and who we are and the work that we do? Frontier
1: Nursing University is a single-purpose university. Our real uh, goal and mission is to educate nurse practitioners and nurse midwives to serve rural and underserved uh, families. Mostly, we're very interested in those rural and underserved areas. We currently have students in all 50 states. Our students actually do most of their learning through distance um, approaches to learning. Our faculty are also located all over the country. And uh, so the purpose of that is so that we can provide an opportunity for nurses who live in rural and underserved areas themselves to uh, obtain a graduate degree and practice as nurse practitioners and nurse midwives. So that is basically who we are. Uh, Primary goal is to increase access to nurses for graduate education so that they can uh, ultimately uh, provide healthcare to rural and underserved families.
0: You know, that is one of my favorite things about Frontier. And, you know, I hope that our listeners will check out our website and look at our quarterly bulletins because I think that that access is actually happening and is exemplified in our publication, like our quarterly bulletin, by the work that our grads are doing. But, you know, we're talking about this distance education thing. So some folks may be confused as to why if we're doing community-based education, we still need a campus. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes.
1: So, our transition to distance learning actually happened 30 years ago. We were one of the first um, schools of nursing to really uh, adapt to provide uh, education at a distance. But even 30 years ago, we realized the importance of uh creating a community with our students. It's very important to us that our students have the opportunity to learn not only from their faculty, but also from each other. So we believe it's important to come together uh, initially, and all of our students do come to campus when they start our programs. We do sessions, which we call Frontier Bound. These were uh, early on, uh, modeled after the outward bound experience where people come to, come together and learn to trust each other and uh, learn together and have great experiences together. So all of our students do come to campus to start their programs. And we do, uh, of course, what does the curriculum look like? How do you use the IT? But we also do fun things uh, and social things so that we get to know each other. So those sessions are on campus. And We do about five of those a term or close to 20 a year. So that alone keeps us very busy with campus events. Uh, We also uh, do another session called Clinical Bound, which all students before they can go into their community clinical site, which may be a hospital, a clinic, a birthing center, or even home visits, then uh, they have to come back to us and spend a week with us doing simulations and kind of checking off their skills to make sure that they're ready to go into the clinical environment. So those sessions also happen about uh, six to seven times each term, and terms is a quarter, so multiply that by four. And between those two sessions, uh, we have a pretty busy campus. Not to mention all of the people that work on the campus that just support all the students that are on that are in their homes doing coursework day to day, such as advisors and financial aid officers and all of those things. So campus is uh, um, certainly one important piece of what we do.
0: You know, so I'm sure that you remember um, at one point in my career here at Frontier that I actually attended um, Clinical Bound with some of our students. And one of the best days was watching the students, for lack of better terms, catch a baby from this extremely realistic model. Um, One of the reasons I'll never forget it is because they made me to try to try to catch one and I was so (laughs) nervous somewhere there's video evidence that shall never see the light of day (laughs) so you know I personally understood the value of the the being on campus and these hands-on skills so when the pandemic hit us It was just remarkable to me how nimble our faculty moved to be able to reset these clinical bounds into completely virtual due to the pandemic and give the students the same experience. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, it was quite a crisis. We had about 500 students in clinical
1: sites around the country at the time that the pandemic hit. And most of those clinical sites asked us to take our students out of clinical initially. Uh, And so we had to figure out how were we going to continue to operate our university, continue to provide these students the uh, ability to uh, continue their education. And so our faculty really uh, stepped up and immediately began creating these Uh, sessions that we could run over using Zoom, as many, many uh, people did across the country uh, during the pandemic. So uh, the orientation was recreated over Zoom. And also the clinical, uh, you mentioned the realistic models. We were actually sending small models to students so that we could watch them do things like suturing, or actually catch a baby and make sure that they had the the skills that they needed. Uh, And also, this allowed them to get some simulation hours in for clinical. Luckily, Mm -hmm. by July, most of those clinical sites began to open up again, but we still had to do these on-site sessions for Frontier Bound and Clinical Bound. And we are still doing them today and hoping to end them by this fall and open up again
0: gosh, that is one of the things that I love the most about Frontier, because where there's a will, we will find a way, right?
1: That's right. (laughs) That's right.
0: So, um, you know, I'm sure that Anybody who's listening to this can tell from my accent that my family's originally from Eastern Kentucky. So I grew up hearing about the work that the Frontier Nurses did, and I have so many family members that were actually delivered by Frontier Nurses. So when I came to Frontier, it was kind of a dream job for me. But you know, Sue, I don't think that my background is near as interesting as yours. How did you come to Frontier, and did you always know that you wanted to be a midwife? No, Angie,
1: I did not. Uh, From the time I was a little girl, I always wanted to be a nurse. And so that was a trajectory for me. Um, And and as far back as I can remember, I wanted to be a nurse. Um, When I was in nursing school and I did my clinical with maternity care, I fell in love with maternity care and immediately became a maternity nurse. And I worked as that as a maternity nurse for 10 years, but it was, it was stressful. I was always trying to uh, provide the best care I could for the mothers that we were serving and um, trying to open up birthing rooms and do things like sibling visits and Mm -hmm. allow fathers to attend the birth and all those things that you do. Um, But it was a struggle um, because there were many rules and regulations within the hospital. Um, And so I was doing my master's degree and I met my first midwife and we had an assignment that we had to uh, follow a nursing leader. And this midwife told me that there was a new midwifery service developing in a town about 40 miles away from me up in upstate New New York. So long story short, I went to spend a day with that midwife and I saw my first birth that was attended by a midwife. And it was such a beautiful birth. It was so peaceful and so calm. And it was all about making sure that that woman had everything that she needed in order to have a safe, successful, and satisfying birth. I'd never seen anything like that before. I was used to the click, click, click of hospitals. You know, uh, this has to be done, and that has to be done, and this has to be done. Not with this situation. The woman was In the bed, the midwife was sitting on the edge of the bed. Uh, The baby came out very gently, and uh, I was um, just—I was—I had to go be a midwife at that point. Uh,
0: I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think that a lot of our listeners may not understand that back in those days, that was not the normal birth. Can you talk a little bit about the differences in between? the two experiences at that time?
1: So at that time, and I I think this happens in many hospitals still today, um, a woman would labor with a nurse, a physician may drop in once or twice during the labor. Um, uh, Usually she was in bed on a monitor, on a fetal monitor, uh, not allowed to eat, not allowed to get up and walk around. And when it was time for the birth, the uh, woman was transported to a labor and deliver excuse me, a delivery room, um, put on a table, put her, her legs up in stirrups. And basically, the attention was on making sure the doctor had everything the doctor needed uh, to deliver the baby. And uh, we say that that is one of the differences. Uh, and I'll talk about that in a second. But um, it was really it was really for the convenience of the hospital and the physician, not really that much for the mother, Hmm. because it was very uncomfortable to change rooms and uh, just not very, you know, like not letting your husband come into the birthing room, those kinds of things. And those things actually happened. So then, um, you know, you contrast that. Where the woman stays in one bed, she has one attendant who is with her the whole time, and that midwife, we say, catches the baby because the woman is the one who delivers her baby. It's nobody else. Right. She is the one that does all the work and, um, and deserves all the credit. So it's just a very different environment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know when I listen to my family talk about the birth stories that they have with frontier nurses in the mountains of eastern Kentucky, you know I hear stories about walking around, about you know continuing to work around the house, and you know sometimes they delivered or in a bed, sometimes not. My own father was delivered on a kitchen table by the light of a coal oil lantern. You know, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I love. Those differences that that put the the power and control really back in the hands of the mother instead of the medical community. It's beautiful. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so, you know, you've talked a little bit about nursing and how you became, or why you wanted to become a midwife, but I, I want to know, when you were a little girl and you wanted to be a nurse, was was there a reason why, or were you always a caregiver? I seem to remember some fun stories about an animal that you brought into your house. Oh, you're so funny, Angie. But yes, I would rescue any
1: animal, especially baby animals, anywhere, and One day I rescued a baby skunk who had lost his mother. I don't know where his mother was, but, um, so I brought this baby skunk home. I did not tell my mother and I took it up in my bedroom. I kept it in the box and then took it to bed with me. Um, but the only thing was this little tiny baby skunk who really looked like kittens. They're so cute. Fell out of the bed and sprayed my room and all uh, the uh, stories were off after that. So, but the skunk, you know, my mother took it to a rescue place. But
0: yes. Well, I love that because you were taking care of babies from the get-go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and still working to take care of mothers and babies and families today. Oh, my goodness. Um, so that's how you became a midwife. How in the world did, did an upstate New York nurse um, who wanted to be a midwife end up with Frontier Nursing University in Kentucky?
1: Well, first of all, everybody knew at this time that the school was called the Frontier School of Midwifery and Family Nursing. And it was well-known fact across the entire country. If you wanted to be a midwife, that was a great place to go. So uh, it's Its uh, reputation preceded it. But, of course, I had no way to leave my three little children and husband and go to Kentucky to become a midwife. Uh, Luckily, right at the same time I decided to become a midwife, about a few, like three or four months later, um, the distance learning model was uh, developed by Kitty Ernst and some others, some other uh, kind of famous midwives. And uh, and they started to promote it and wanted to do a pilot class of learning how to become a midwife without leaving your home. So Kitty Ernst was an early graduate of Frontier. She graduated in 1951. She's still um, going strong today at the age of 95, telling her stories. But she was the one who led that distance learning. And I actually enrolled in that very first class and became um, and attended the school and became a midwife. And I was thrilled to be a Frontier graduate. Uh, but immediately, the as the school adopted distance learning and started to grow, the tendency was to um, recruit some of us who were graduates and lived in some remote areas, I lived way in upstate New York, um, to um, act as regional clinical faculty and follow the students and, uh, who were also in upstate New York and in neighboring Vermont and Massachusetts. And so gradually, I started doing that for the frontier, then I became a faculty member, and then when there was a leadership transition, uh, Kitty Ernst (laughs) basically told me I was going to move to Kentucky, (laughs) (laughs) feed the skull, and of course, at first, I said, never, I will never do that, but um, I grew to, the more I came to Kentucky, and the more I taught in Kentucky, I grew to love Kentucky, so... I did relocate to Kentucky more than 20 years ago and never looked back for a minute
0: even though I love New York, upstate New York. But um, Um, we're we're so glad you did. You know, and we're going to do an episode coming up in the very near future about that first class that you were a part of that um, I'll let our listeners know are called the Chicken Coop Midwives. So you do not want to miss that episode because it's a pretty interesting story. But going back to you getting a leadership role at um, Frontier, you know, Kitty tells me this story a lot because she's so proud of the work that you're doing and she said one day I just decided that it had to be Sue and so I went out in the parking lot and met her and said Sue we figured out who it's gonna be and she said who and I looked at her in the eyes and said it's you (laughs) and I can totally see that happening is that a pretty true
1: story that's a pretty true story (laughs) I thought she was just uh
0: no <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I will uh, tell I did you not st- see my, that self in that role
0: <laughs> well, I will tell you still to this day if Kitty Aaron's tells me I'm gonna do something, I have a hard time saying no
1: that's right that's <laughs> right. so you never know where life is going to lead you and uh you know it just behooves you to keep your brain open, keep your mind open uh, uh to the possibilities because they can move you in very great directions.
0: Absolutely. You know, there's so many wonderful stories and memories. Sue, I just feel like that you and I could talk about this for hours, but I I feel like there's a couple of other things that maybe our listeners will want to know in this first um, podcast. So let's talk about what are you most proud of, of the university? And you've been here, what, 20, 26 years, 26 years. What are you most proud of during that 26 years?
1: I'm most proud that we took this little tiny school that was offering certificates and became an accredited university that are offering master's degrees and doctoral degrees, that we've been able to add programs as they were needed. For example, the DNP, the Doctor of Nursing Practice Program, and also most recently we added the Psychiatric Mental Health Program, basically just because we knew this was a need in the area. So of course we've got our midwifery program, which is our largest program and probably what we're known for the most, but our family nurse practitioner program. So here we are with a broad scope of practice um, and practitioners that can really provide the care, uh, the care ring that nurses do, as mm-hmm. well as highly skilled health care um, to these rural and underserved families all across the nation. And You know, with 6,000 graduates out there uh, from just from the distance learning program, we are really making an impact. And so that would I would have to say is what I'm most proud of our accomplishments.
0: It's just amazing. Um, when you started as president and dean, and I know you were dean first, but when you took on the role of president and dean, we had what about two hundred students annually? That's right. And today, two hundred
1: total. Two hundred total.
0: <laughs> and and today, you know, I looked at our uh, dashboard with all of our numbers before we left. Over two thousand five hundred students. Yeah. I mean, Sue, that's just amazing. And I hope that you are proud of that, because I know the rest of us certainly are.
1: Well, certainly I am. And I'm, I am proud of our faculty and staff who worked so hard to serve those students every day. It's a joy. The job is a joy.
0: Well, I agree with that 100%. I have fun every single day. And now I get to do a podcast. I mean, what's not fun about that, right? Right. <laughs> so what's next, Sue? I mean, what are your dreams? Well, I think now we need to get settled on
1: our new campus. And then I would like to open a rural health clinic or a health clinic where we can actually demonstrate the care that can be provided Um, by nurse practitioners and nurse midwives and the outcomes that we can achieve so I think that's our next big uh, um, goal it's going to take some work but I know that we can do whatever we set out to do
0: absolutely we're at Frontier I think we said this earlier where there's a will we will find a way that's right. It's been so wonderful to chat with you as always. Before we close the podcast, I just wonder: is there anything that you would like to leave our listeners with? No, I
1: think that um, that idea that you can do whatever you set out to do, and I also would encourage people to be open to the care that is provided by nurse practitioners and nurse midwives because um, we really can add to the team approach to care and with our caring and our prevention and um, as well as the uh, care of chronic disease um, we can really make a difference and so I'm so proud of all the work that we're doing and uh, and I hope that we as we move into this community and get more settled that we can do even more of it.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Susan Stone, uh, president of Frontier Nursing University. It is my pleasure to have you as our very first guest on the All Access podcast and thank all of you for joining Frontier Nursing University All Access. We hope that you have enjoyed our conversation. If you would like to learn more about Frontier and how you can make a difference for mothers, babies, and families across the country, please visit our website at Frontier.edu, or you can reach out to me, your all-access host, at Angela.Bailey at Frontier.edu. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we certainly hope that you have. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time, thanks for listening.